Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. This may be one of the last times you hear me say that because, because is everything we got to grow and evolve. I've decided to evolve this show and kind of align my brand. And so the content's still going to be amazing. But the name of the show is going to go to Relentless Goal Achievers Podcast. That's a group I started. We got a huge community uh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm kind of aligning everything. So my company is The Goal Guide. Underneath that company, we're going to have Relentless Goal Achievers. And there'll be a Relentless Goal Achievers community that's available to all our listeners. And then underneath that will be my exclusive community where we have 60 members now that I started about four months ago. And that'll be Relentless Goal Achievers Elite. So I'm just, I'm sharing this with you so that you can, you know, internalize it, savor the last few episodes of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience podcast. And that's where we're going. And by the way, the uh, the Facebook tribe that's called Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience uh, mastermind will change to Relentless Goal Achievers community. So go over there, join it. Let's connect. Let me help you hit your goals. But that's enough about me because today I got a powerhouse, really good friend of mine, Gabriel Alexander. He's a visionary. He's an entrepreneur, multi-business owner, elite men's performance and results coach, which is pretty interesting because the last episode was Steve Eckert and now we got Gabriel Alexander. Maybe I need some masculinity in my life. He is a business and brand consultant speaker. He, he's the founder of Free Men Forge it's a men's event that we're definitely going to talk about today because men need it. And uh, there's also coaching and networking involved with that. He's a family man, first of all, alternative education champion, servant of truth, and author of the forthcoming works, The Ungovernable Man. Gabe, welcome, brother. Thank you for having me, man. And what an intro. I don't know if I've ever had one like that before, but I'll take it all I can get. And what a privilege enough. to go after Eckert, by the way. I, I, I watched that. That guy is fire. And I love that you're getting guys like him and Bedros. And those are the guys that make my blood boil, make my heart pound, make my testosterone tingle. And uh, great guys, man. I'm, I'm, I feel very privileged to be in that number for sure. Well, you're right up there with them. I mean, if I had to compare you and Eckert, right? Let's just, I spend a day with him and I've spent an hour with you in the mornings, you know, a few times. <laughs> and after after being led by you in one of our workouts, and I'll tell you guys how this this happens. Uh, <laughs> I can't walk for like five days, dude. My legs are sore. I'm, my heart rate. I lose ten pounds in one workout. You're insane, and you don't look like you break a sweat. So, um, we met. Gabe and I met. He's down in Texas by way of Seattle, and. Uh, a bunch of you probably heard me talk about this amazing group, F3. Go to f3nation.com. I'll always give them a plug. It's a men's group, all free, always open to all men. Uh, the whole purpose is for the invigoration of male community leadership. And so we get together about 5.15 in the mornings. And Gabe is a member of the F3 group in Texas. He comes visits us here in Florida to kick our asses. And uh, his F3 name is Nomad. So let me ask you this. How did you get that name? Man, I get around a lot. I'll, I'll be honest with you. By the way, I didn't even know what F3 was until like, I want to say it was just a few months before meeting you. I had just relocated to Texas 
and you know, you kind of get your F3 name and they were asking me about my life. And the way that I really got it was not only have I lived everywhere in this country, but also overseas, but 2020, when the thing was rolled out and, and all that, I kind of, I was up in Seattle with my family. I was actually standing in a building during a march with a rifle on, a, on an elevated deck on a building I just renovated. And man, it just got really intense all of a sudden. Called Isn't up my wife. Like Chaz phase? Is that what we're talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't up in Seattle. It was actually south of Seattle in Tacoma. That's where I was living. And they had some marches then. Um, but honestly, my my exit from there had, and we can dive into that if you want. My exit from Seattle had kind of begun that Seattle area feeling like it's about time to go. It's about time to go. But then I'm standing in a building with a rifle watching these people march. And they're, it, look, you've been in intense situations. You've been in a sporting event and you're there at the 50 yard line, maybe at a football game and somebody's running and the crowd just starts to erupt. And it's almost like there's that energy in the air. You can almost cut with a knife. And that's what I felt in that moment. I really recognized what it was. And I was like, this is not just angry people. If these people get through these gates, my arms are going to be gone and this is evil. And I'm not going to raise my kids around it. I'm not going to raise my kids in a society and in a community where people are allowed to just ransack whatever they want because they're angry about something they saw in the news. To me, that's absolutely unacceptable. And just the culture as a whole. I had lived in Seattle since 1997. I was there for 20 years. And I mean, you, you go up to Seattle anyway, 20 years ago, and there was you could always already see the decline of the masculine male leader. Um, strong fathers leading their families, but it just started to progressively get to that place where I went, this is headed in a really wrong direction. And so I called up my wife in the middle of that experience. She could hear the insanity going on behind me. She said, what is going on? And I said, look, you just need to trust me. We're going to sell everything. We're going to leave. And we need to go find a place we can raise our children. I got two daughters, 13 and nine. And not only for their safety and, the, and what they would grow up in, but I wanted them to have strong men to then date and marry in their future. And mm -hmm. I just didn't see that happening a whole lot with the sharing and meshing of values with people in that area. So we sold everything out of our driveway. We started that day listing stuff on like OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace. And within five weeks, I want to say it was five weeks, we sold everything we owned, sold my home on the first showing on a handshake, bought a truck and a trailer, and we left the state. One of my four younger brothers came with me with his wife and his pregnant wife and daughter. They got a truck and trailer. And we just traveled the whole country for about a year and a half, just trying to find a place that felt home. And you know that feeling deep down inside when you pull in and it's just, I belong, I'm supposed to be here. And that's what we felt when we pulled into my small North Texas town. And uh, we've never looked back. We love it. Did you come with that picture or um, did you buy that in Texas? This behind you. Which one? Oh, this one. Oh, I bought it. <laughs> I actually. I, is that like the welcome to Texas? Like as soon as you enter Texas, they give you one of those? Or <laughs> It's so funny, man. But I had so many people when I was about to leave, they said, you're going to end up in Texas. And I was like, why do you keep saying that? They're like, man, it just fits you. And so I've gone full on Texas flags, like God bless Texas. And I'm actually, I'm built, I'm rebuilding right now in 1965 Lincoln Continental, you know, the suicide doors and stuff all uh -huh. blacked out. And I'm, I'm putting a set of longhorns on the front of the car. Oh no! And I'm just like, I got to go all the way, man. <laughs> so that I bought in. For those of you who are listening and not watching this on YouTube, by the way, get over to YouTube and watch it. But Gabe has behind him a pretty big poster of like some donkey with big horns. I don't know. I'm kidding. I know it's a bull. It's not a donkey, but like. <laughs> but a if I stand, Texas bull. But um, if I stand right here. Yeah, it looks like you got the horns, man. You look like <laughs> that dude from January 6th in the Capitol. <laughs> 
Hey, let's not, let's not get into yeah, that. We're not getting there, but uh, that's, sorry. I'm having a little too much fun with my brother, Gabe. Um, all right, Gabe. So I, I love, one of the things I love that you said is uh, value. So I'm assuming you homeschooled your daughters throughout the year. Um, what, what are your values? My values from the very core begin with one statement and one statement only, and that is Christ is King. I am a believer in God to the core, the God of the Bible, and that drives every decision and every value point that I have. And just to be clear, you know, I, I was raised in that. I was raised with those beliefs, and, and I think we all realize at some point we go, how much of what I believe now is something that I believe because I, I really dug deep to go, is this true versus this is what I've been raised in or this is what I've been taught or what I've accepted. You talk about it a lot on your podcast. Is it true or is it something you believe? And you can change your beliefs and that changes your behaviors. And so for me, quite honestly, man, I, those have always guided my life to an extent, but I got to the point where I had to go, why do I believe this and do I believe it for me? And there's been a major even shifting in me over the last few years where what I've seen in the world has painted to me a very clear picture that we're not just dealing with political differences here. We're not dealing with conservative and liberal. We're not, de we're not dealing with you know, some political spectrum or racial stuff. What we're dealing right now with is truly good and evil. That's what I believe. And so because of that, and what I've seen over the last you know, four years in particular, it has really drawn a line in the sand for me and made it very clear where I stand and why. And it's been one of the, honestly, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the past four years, as difficult as they've been, because they have forced me to really get clear on my beliefs, where I stand, where I will not compromise, and what I will build my life on. And so as I continue to grow and learn, my values are first and foremost, completely based on the fact that God loves me, he created me. I'm supposed to be behaving and living in his image. His son, Jesus Christ, came and saved me from my sins. And now it is my job to completely serve him in this human experience. So that is my value system. Man, that is. Uh... Wow. I had a question for you, but you you're you describing the value system is like it. it it's making me think so much. So what are you creating? Like, how are you serving? How are you serving Jesus in your, yeah. in your experience? So I'll try to keep it to a shorter answer. If I can, I can get going to stop me if you need me to stop. But I, like I said, I, I think first and foremost, I'm created by God in his image. I believe heavily in the scripture. I read the Bible every day. It says in the, in the beginning, he created man, he created man in his image. It is, my role in this world and in this human experience to represent God the Father as well as I possibly can to other people to help them find the truth of who God is. That is my role. And so when I look at who God is and who he has shown himself to be from the beginning of time until now, it tells me what the characteristics of God are and who he really is and how he would operate. And that's what I want to be present in my life. And I think that's why over the past few years, too, it's been so cool for me to go through this process of evaluating what is real, what is true, who is God, and who am I called to be? Because it's painting a much better picture and complete picture of who God is in his personality and roles, and therefore who I have to be. 
growing up, I think, especially, I'll tell you right from the very beginning, my dad was a minister for 35 years. I was raised in the church. Um, but even today, now I'll admit readily, I'm not a huge fan of the traditional model of church because I think in many ways it's castrated a lot of men as leaders by teaching them to be nice. And we've heard that term a lot. You know, there's nice versus kind. There's strong leadership that is servant hearted. Bedros talks about that a lot, you know, servant leadership. But as I got a clearer picture of who God was, it painted a very clear picture of who I needed to be in all aspects of life. I need to be kind, but I need to be firm. I need to have sorry, vision and lead. Was, yeah. Sorry. You, you welcome me to cut you off. So I go do. Yeah. What, what's wrong with nice? Nice is easy to push around. That is my definition. I believe that nice is a word that essentially means you're agreeable. I think we've overused it, but kindness to me huh. is the choice to be kind while having the ability to not be kind. If so, so let's take it from you know the concept of you can't be a protector and a provider if you don't have the capability to be violently capable. If you don't, if you're not violently capable, right? So I can't give you any credit for not hurting me if you don't have the potential to hurt me. Does that make sense? Uh, you know me. So you're saying you cannot provide if you're not, you cannot provide and protect if you are not capable of violence. I'm not saying if you're not capable of violence, let's try it a different way. So if I'm dealing with an individual who says, well, I didn't hurt you physically. Mm -hmm. Well, if he doesn't have the capability to hurt me physically, then I, then there's no virtue there. But what if he doesn't have the capability to hurt you physically? but he has the means to surround himself with bodyguards or people who have the capability to hurt you physically. Is that an extension of that man? I don't believe so. Power to hurt you physically. So I'm looking at like, let's just take world governments, right? Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a prior service Marine. The, the folks who send us off to war, they, they probably don't have the capability themselves most of the time to be that person to hurt somebody physically. So they send Marines, soldiers, SEALs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yet they're feared. Yeah, I don't think there's, I think being feared is a different story. So to me, it's about in that situation, the people that are sending you off to do that, I wouldn't exactly say that's kindness or niceness. I'd say in many ways, that's sending a proxy to do your dirty work for you or the work that maybe you need to be doing. And man, I know what you've done. I respect what you've done. No disrespect to what you've done. But I look a lot of look at a lot of the guys who are sending other people off to do it. There's a difference between power and authority. These guys have the power to make you go do something. It doesn't mean they have authority that you would respect. So leadership, for example, you can I can either follow you because you're a good leader or I can do what you tell me because you're a dictator. Right. There's a difference. The Big. servant leader is kind. Just because I'm nice to your face and an agreeable individual does not mean I have kindness built into me. There are plenty of nice people that have very nefarious stuff going on underneath the surface. So, so okay, that's backing up. A lot of yeah. sense. So I so help me understand how is church teaching to be that? In our society, I think it's it's a combination of society as a whole and the church, but I believe that the church is beginning to look too much like society, where people of faith are no longer standing out because of their beliefs and they're capitulating to whatever is societally acceptable. We yes, see the agenda. Yeah. 
with children and sexuality and whatever your opinions are on that. I can be kind to someone who has who is a homosexual. It doesn't matter. But to see the church built on a set of principles and values, then change those core principles and values because of the pressure they, they see in society, that begins to affect the entire culture as a whole. And I believe that niceness, you know, what we've seen in society, or even over the last three years, virtue signaling, it's what we've called it. Well, I got my vaccine. Well, I got, you know, it's that's racist or that's whatever. A lot of it, these people don't even believe. It's just about coming off as virtuous. And so we've got this idea many times that being agreeable means you are a good person. And that because Jesus is love and God is love and he's loving, that he would never do anything that would be uncomfortable for you. But you as a father know that's not the case. If you let your kids do whatever they want without ever disciplining them, whether you're spanking them, grounding them, holding them to a certain standard, if you don't do that, the scripture says that you hate your son's soul. And because you love your kids, you are training them to be who they need to be in the world. God's the exact same way. People like to latch on to the version of Jesus that is loving and easy to get along with and soft-spoken and meek. But people forget to read the portion of scripture where Jesus saw money changers in the temple with their tables. It says he fashioned a whip and he went inside the temple and drove them out. Does that mean that Jesus was whipping around a whip, limp-wristed, saying, everybody move now? No, the guy was violently driving people from where they were not supposed to be. And so I believe that in many cases, we have softened men to be agreeable and nice to the point where they will not hold a standard that must be upheld. Wow. I guess if you don't have values, you can, somebody else will impose their own values on you. And what you're saying is we've gotten really good at building people without any values or removing values. I mean, yeah, even in schools, you know, the, the second they said, um, can't talk about religion or God or whatever, like, I, I don't know where freedom of speech was left to die, but that's what it seems like. Like even, um, I just saw, what's his name? It, uh, Neo or yeah, Neo or something like that. One of the <laughs> R&B stars. He was being interviewed and just spoke his mind. He said he does not agree. He said a father should be there. Like if a, if a five-year-old comes to the dad and says that, you know, I'm a boy, I want to be a girl. It's a father's job to let them know that that's not happening and that's not a good idea or whatever. Starts getting persecuted. His PR agency without him went on like uh, Twitter or something and tweeted out how we're very, I'm very sorry, like through his account, I'm very sorry that, um, I said this, I'm reevaluating my stances, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He saw that went live and said, I did not write that apology. I stand by my word. I'm allowed to, as a 43 year old man who's raising five children, have my opinion. You don't have to like it. You don't have to respect it. I'm allowed to have it. And I think yes. we've gotten away from that. Like people get canceled. And by the way, probably three weeks ago, I may have disagreed with you if you were on my show saying, it's not, you know, Republicans, Democrats, um, liberals, conservatives. It's now good versus evil. Yeah. Until I went and saw uh, Sound of Freedom. Yeah. And have since been following pretty much everything uh, Tim Ballard is doing and putting out there just to learn more about it. Uh, yeah. You're so right. It is against good if you can take a five-year-old boy and sell him into a sex slave trade yeah 
that's there's nothing more evil than that. Now you're seeing right now a great, for lack of a better term, a great awakening amongst a lot of people right now that are starting to recognize what has been under the surface for a very long time, but we've either refused to acknowledge or have just not been willing to accept that it's real. I think a lot of people are even realizing the country that we live in. I love the idea of America. I love the people, the average people in America. I love the, the principles it was built upon. But even over the last couple of years, I've begun to go America as a government, the American government, in many ways is the, is the evil empire. You know, it's the Death Star. It's because it's about power and it's no longer about those values. And so, yeah, we are in a war of good and evil. And I'm so happy to see that so many people's eyes are being open to the fact that this is not you cannot chill out right now. And that's why I do what I do. I'm done chilling out and just letting stuff happen. I'm done, like you talked about, the removal of, of freedom of speech. It's because we allowed it. We tolerated it. The world is as it is today, not only because of leaving God. That's where it starts. We've forgotten God's role, and we've wanted to give that to someone else. We want to be God ourselves. We want to dictate everything. We want to determine everything. So we do what's best for us. And now we see a world where, what, 50 or 60% of the marriages in our country are broken? Now, it's, you can't, it's not like divorce is the worst thing on the planet. It's not like you cannot fix it. I'm, I'm not condemning anyone, but I'm saying we've got too many broken households. We have far too many households where the father is not in the home at all. Men have allowed this by refusing to lead in the way they should lead. And so we're, we're really seeing a world where men have stepped away from their role. You talked about, you know, stepping off the throne, stepping out of or abdicating responsibility for things. Men have abdicated responsibility to the point where now we've passed off the raising of our children to the school system, which is filling them with an obvious agenda. We've abdicated understanding our own health to people just because they got a white coat and a name tag. We've abdicated our understanding of, of food. We don't even read the labels. We've, un we've, we've abdicated our understanding of finances to the point where we just take what, whatever we're given. We need to start to recognize that the world is shaped and ruled by men. Good men have to decide they are going to begin to write history and shape the world, or we can keep taking whatever we're given. But I'm not somebody that agrees with that. My freedoms and liberties are not given to me. They are claimed and defended by me. The only reason I can't have a 50 cal machine gun in my front yard is because someone else has the power to take it from me. That's it. It's about force. It's about shaping the world to be what you have a vision for, for the future. And we've lost that. But I genuinely believe it's because we've forgotten in whose image we were made and the power that really resides inside of us and the potential we have to shape the future. Man, that's powerful, dude. We, um, you know, it reminds me, I heard Tony Robbins say this. It's like strong men create good times. Yep. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times and hard times create strong men. Yeah. This is exactly what it, what it is because before, you know, you, you go back 150 years or so, probably a little bit longer than that, where there were no laws. Like I'm just looking at 1883, for example. I don't know if you've seen that show. It's like a Yellowstone, you know, prequel. Yeah, Man, that's a badass show. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but like dudes could just come on your property and, you know, kill you, take your property, take your cows, take whatever you own, rape your women. So good men 
had to protect it. Like they, that's when there was nobody to take your firearm, right? So you you had you and your brothers and cousins out there with shotguns or whatever you had to protect what is rightfully yours. And as as we've evolved and government put certain laws in place to, to take those protections away from, from us, and I'm just kind of thinking through this because that I've never thought about this before. The government says, you don't have to protect yourself anymore. We got you. Big brothers here, we got you. Bad guys aren't coming on your property. We'll have the police. We'll have whatever. You're good. And and good men have still have the option to say, yeah, but what if you get overthrown? What if you take your power to another level? I'm just going to keep my skills sharpened. Yeah. But because it's not comfortable to do that. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, conflict is very uncomfortable. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's that whole thing of if you're not in control of your borders, who is? If you step off the throne in any area of life and abdicate that to someone else, you're no longer in charge of that. And so, you know, just as easily as people used to be able to come on your property and harm you, technically they still can. They just have fear of the government or the cops or whatever. But we've offloaded that to the police to deal with. You can see it in cell phone videos that, that are popping up every day on the Internet. Old people getting beat up by young people, it's people robbing stores blind. Oh, the security guard, I'll just whip out my phone and record. Men don't do anything anymore. Yeah. Back in the day, the, you were the law. But there was also a higher law that was governing the majority of people in this nation. And I think that's the thing to pay attention to. Again, it continues to come down to the values and beliefs because those dictate the behaviors you can you can look across the the span of history and the most peaceful places happen to have very similar basis of values across the board oftentimes it has to do with faith because religion creates culture belief creates culture so the culture that we have reflects the beliefs that we hold as a society when you've got a society that is adhering to a certain set of beliefs they can govern themselves but when we abdicate governance to someone else, we no longer govern what's ours, either by choice or by force. We've got to get back to a place where we begin, where we begin governing our own lives from the inside out. So English is my second language. When you say abdicate, <laughs> are you abdicate? Define that for me. Is that give away or have it taken from you? So abdication and delegation, abdication is stepping off the throne. Delegation would be continuing to remain on the throne while handing out authority. So when I'm helping guys scale a business, I go, okay, what's the responsibility here? All right, well, my assistant does this. Okay, did you delegate this or did you abdicate this? When you abdicate something, you drop responsibility for it. You give it to someone else to rule and reign over, and now you no longer carry it. When you, And that's abdication. Delegation is still sitting ruling. I understand where my borders are. I understand how my money works, how my company works, and I'm delegating something in a responsible way. It's called responsible leadership. Mm. It's not just dumping. Is there any time where abdicating is good? I don't believe so, because when I when I when I I I, I literally have that picture in my mind of a throne when I think about abdicating, because it's like you've stepped away from the authority that you were born with. You have authority over your own body. You have authority over your own words. You have authority over your own thinking. It's up to you whether or not you hand that away. 
how would you hand away? I get the thinking, your own words. Sure. How would you hand that away? How do you abdicate? Abdicate. I think, I think Neo's a perfect example. I saw the same thing you did. I think his, his line was parents have forgotten their role. Yes. It's when you allow someone else to speak for you in a way that is contradictory to you. If he would have allowed them to speak on his behalf, well, now he's abdicated responsibility for what he's speaking. Um, I think it would be relatively hard to abdicate your own words because they still come out of your own mouth, if that makes sense. That would be something that I think would be difficult to, to almost, even from a functional standpoint, how would you abdicate it? It's still coming out of your mouth. You can abdicate your thinking for sure. You're so right, man. My, um, I've abdicated pretty much the podcast now that I think about it. As much as I would like to think I delegate it, I didn't. I abdicated it. And then I was looking at even Eckert's um, episode that went out. After it was published, I did not like the title that my podcast manager did. And literally before we hopped on this, we had a meeting and, and I asked her yesterday, I was like, hey, let's change that up. So she went back through, changed it, changed the thumbnail. So the title is different. Um, but, it, you know, the meeting today, uh, right before this call with my podcast manager, I told her, I said, that's completely my fault. I never told you what I wanted listeners to get out of the title of that episode. And you had no idea. So, and I, I meant every word. That was my fault. I abdicated that instead of delegating. So moving forward, I just said, Hey, whenever you come up with podcast titles, let's just, let me take a look at it. Just make sure it's in alignment with what I want. And we'll go from there. Uh, but I see that now and you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's reclaiming the throne. And I think that's gotta be a theme for all of us really is recognizing where am I not ruling as I'm supposed to man, the, the world is as you make it, as I see it. Yeah, like, but do we legitimately pull every aspect of our life? Like, this is the, and I, I don't know the answer. I mean, shouldn't we? But what you're saying is you can delegate and still, when you delegate, is there any time you're going to give full authority away to somebody else? How else do you develop other leaders? I think that's, again, responsible leadership and delegation. For me, when I delegate to somebody, it doesn't mean that I'm not in charge of the process within my own company. I still have to rule it well. I still have to understand the back end and what's going on. I can develop the system and delegate certain aspects of authority to other people to be able to hand out and do as, you know, as they're supposed to. But if I don't understand what's, what's going on, then I'm really not the one ruling it. I'm really not the one taking care of it. I think when you're releasing leaders, I, I don't see that as, as abdication or even as delegation. So I'm not delegating to someone I release as a leader. I'm helping shape them. I'm delegating to them through the process. Then when it's time for them to go, I go, hey, look, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to step out from under my authority into your own thing. I don't see that as abdication or delegation. I see that as responsible leadership and helping people become who they need to be. So if you have a sales team and you have a sales leader on that team, right? So you're, you're running a company, you got five, six different departments mm -hmm. and you have leaders in each department. Let's just focus on a sales leader. How much authority do they have to make their own decisions about bringing new people in, letting people go, compensation packages, um, sales conversations, topics, things like that? I think boundaries and frameworks are the way to go with that. 
Right. You know, I, I create a framework for people to follow. People have to know where their limits are and or and are not. There's got to be order and structure. And so oftentimes what I'll do is delegate the authority to the structure. It carries the stamp of my approval. I, I you know, I love, uh, you know, how you look at old movies and oftentimes, especially medieval movies, guys will have the, the ring, the signet ring, and they stamp the letter. It's their letter of approval. That, that is me conferring my authority on this letter that, although it may not be written by me, it carries the power of my voice, just like a cop with a badge, right? My dad used to tell a story from the pulpit. A semi-truck coming down the road is more powerful than a police officer, right? By far. But what? why does the truck stop? Because of the badge that says, I carry authority, and I have the weight of the state behind me. I have the weight of the owner behind me. And that's the way I think we have to operate in our lives and in our businesses is we've got to be responsible enough to create patterns for people to follow that help carry out our wishes and our will. I hope that answers the question effectively. Yeah, man. I love it. You're, you're called the forger of men. And I love that, <laughs> that on your, right by your name, your pronouns are free man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw one yesterday. A video is really funny. Somebody walked up to a guy and said, what are your pronouns? He goes, that MF. I won't say it on here. He goes, that MF. And I was just like, I love it. I love the pronoun play. But yeah, that's the title I chose. Well, how did you get the idea that that's what you wanted to do? Is that before you left Seattle or during your travels or afterwards? I'll keep it as, as short of a background as I can. I'm the first of five boys. I was raised in a family where, I mean, my dad was a very strong masculine leader in our home, very traditional roles. My mother is, a, by the way, a very strong woman. She's not a beat down, can't speak up type. As a matter of fact, she's a firecracker, <laughs> needs to be led by a strong man. So I was raised in a sea of testosterone and, and I loved it. And, and there was, I naturally grew up as a protector. I don't know if you're into the Enneagram stuff at all, but I'm a true eight. I'm a defender. I'm a protector. Um, I, I come to the aid of people who need help and especially the weak when they're being taken advantage of. That is my nature. I have a strong sense of justice. And so that was really who I was growing up. And my parents didn't try to squash that. They really tried to set us free. I was home educated from day one. My parents did not try to make me tame or nice. They taught us to think outside the box and not be ruled by societal rules and norms. I was pulling a lawnmower around the block at eight years old, putting stickers on doors going, here's my information. I want to come and, and, and mow your lawn and make some money. I mean, I was raised so outside the box, but a big part of that was, was encouraging us to embrace those natural masculine things that were a part of our nature, you know, wrestling, fighting, um, you know, disagreeing, having conflict, got very good at having conflict with people very easily or very early on so that later it was easy to deal with. Anyway, so continuing on, in high school, I fell in love with the sport of basketball. I, I think more so because I'm a relational person, even more than I love the sport. Um, individual sports are not my thing. I love a sense of camaraderie and togetherness. Um, I was all, I'm the type to like, I'll watch Braveheart or the Patriot. I start weeping, man, because there's something just when the men get together and, and they're screaming and sprinting toward the line, there is something that wells up inside of me that goes, I need that. I want that. I crave that feeling. And so it's a natural part of who I am and all the way through, you know, high school and basketball. And then I got into full-time ministry at the parents my church were leading when I was 20 years old. I was speaking, but a lot of what I did was working with young men. Then I got into coaching 
basketball. I coached high school boys and I just got addicted to this thing of going, I love seeing a boy at the beginning of the season. He's soft. He's weak. I mean, pussy, just soft, pushed around, whining every time he gets hit. By the end of those six months, the guy comes out of the game. His braces have almost punched through his lip. He's bleeding down his face and he's going, he's like, I got him good, didn't I? I'm like, yes, you did. There's something amazing in watching boys become men and watching them tackle things that they've been afraid of their entire lives. And it, it, that's why I got into F3. That's how I met you. It's I crave that relationship with men to help grow and build something. And so then I opened up a construction company when I was about 20 years old. It still exists. It's been in existence for 20 years. I hired so many guys and then they grew to that point where they wanted to get a new job. So I made them my vendors and subcontractors. I helped them start their own businesses. So now I've got a company up in Washington state. All of our subcontractors are ex-employees that we help them start their businesses. I love helping people grow to their next level, but truly in 2020 was when things really snapped for me. I was in the music industry as an artist manager, touring agent, and a brand coach for artists that wanted to really grow. I worked with some successful independent artists, but I also worked with some successful major label artists. And I just gravitated. I never worked with any girls. I loved working with the guys because I got a chance to really father them. And I saw how many of these guys just didn't know what to do with their own lives. They didn't know how to earn, talk to women take care of themselves, even hygiene and simple stuff like that, planning your day, setting a goal. They didn't know what, they didn't know how to do it. And so I found myself in this place of I'm fathering, I'm fathering, I'm really helping. But then I experienced the cancel culture that you mentioned earlier in late 2019. Um, you want to experience commie culture, move to the Northwest, move close to Seattle, and then jump into the music industry. You're in the belly of the beast. And it came out that one of my uh, one of my clients had narrated an audiobook that accidentally went number one on Amazon. <laughs> and then it came out that we're conservatives. All of our shows are canceled. My, I'm, you know, my post or my, my face is posted all over the internet going, you know, these guys are this and that. And I was sitting there just going, what do I do next? And this was late 2019, but then the well, Rona rolled out. Right. You get on the, on the website and you start apologizing <laughs> for believing what you believe clearly. And, that's what you got to do, Gabe. I can be your agent here. Let me write this up for you. <laughs> man, if you Sorry. only knew the tree, you're barking up, man. And I get this. Uh, sadly, you know, you usually get that from one of your two parents. I got double dose in mine because both my parents are like, you try to tell them what to do. It's not happening. But, you know, so I'm sitting there in this place late 2019 where a 10-year career has just essentially been ended. You could go work with other clients, but, you know, these blue hairs will call up a place in Florida from the opposite corner of the country to get your show canceled. And it's just, it's not worth it to me. But what really flipped the switch for me with knowing that I had to help men was early 2020 when the Rona was rolled out and where I was just sitting there going, whether or not this is real, whether you want to debate it or not is, the, is not the point. But watching men who I knew, who I respected as strong men going against what they clearly believed. And again, that's no shame. If you went and got a shot or put a mask on your face, that's up to you as long as it was your choice. The issue to me was watching how many men just capitulated to things because they felt like they must. And all the freedom fighting that was going on, even in public schools up until the last couple of months, who have been the people on the front lines? Who have been the people speaking up? It's not men. It's been women. Men have been castrated. And I was looking around going, men have been castrated, number one. But two, where are the men like me? I feel alone. 
I feel isolated. I felt this way for almost 20 years. I can find good people. I can find nice people, but I am looking for ungovernable men. I am looking for men with the warrior heart. That's who I want to build with. It's who I want to help. It's who I want to help other people become. It's who I want to grow with. My wife jokes sometimes making fun of me. She goes, you just, you started coaching guys because you want to hang out with dudes and have more friends. I was like, you're damn right. I want to be in that circle. And so 2020, I just, I knew, and it's funny. I knew what I was supposed to do for 20 years. When I was 17 years old, I'll never forget. My mom sent me a clipping or cut it out of newspaper. I don't even, I don't even know if I, I think I had one of those old AT&T 1865 bricks at the time. So she couldn't text it to me, but she handed me this article on breakout careers of the future. And it was about life coaching. And my first thing was like, I would love this. And how many parents of boys I coached in high school basketball came to me and said, my son's a different person. He's doing things he never would have done before this. But my first thought was fear and doubt. One, who's going to pay me to tell them what to do? Why would they ever listen? I'm younger than half the people that I'm helping right now. How could I ever turn that into a career? But then 2020, I was sitting there going, what do I do? And I started hearing that still small voice inside. And this is why I'm so grateful for 2020. I had abdicated for so long the hearing of what I was supposed to do with my life to other people, pastors, books, podcasts, whatever. I gave away the authority to hear deep down in my spirit what God was trying to tell me to do. And I'd been running from it for two decades. Hmm. It was like the second all of this happened in 2020, I just knew I've got to give myself to helping shape men into who they want to be, help them get the lives they want, help them become a better image of the father. And that's when I started. That's when we sold everything. I started writing. I started speaking. I started coaching men on their businesses. A lot of guys started asking me, how can you just afford to quit everything and just up and leave? It was because I had businesses. But then I started to realize too that while a, a lot of my initial jump into coaching men came out of anger and frustration, like, why are you not fighting? Why are you not fighting? It, I started to realize how blessed I was to be raised in a situation where that was my norm. These men had been raised in a society primarily by women, whether it be father not in the home, public schools, whatever. The majority of your life, 85% of your life up until the age of 18, and if you go to college, it's more, you're raised by women. Women don't make men. Men make men. So these guys don't, even if they wanted to fight, they wouldn't even know where to begin. They don't know how. And so I knew at that moment, I've got a father. If their father's not going to father, I've got a father. And in order to change the future and shape society, we must win men. Men lead families. Families create communities. Communities shape societies. We're at, we're where we're at because men have given up their crown and they need to take back the throne again. It's time. I got a feeling that some of you listening right now are thinking that, that, you know, Gabe is out there a little bit, but here's what I'll tell you that if this country gets attacked, because we are very vulnerable right now, and if we get attacked by forces from China or Russia or countries that don't want us to exist, the first person you're going to want to seek out is a guy like Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I know you, man, because I'm coming to Texas. Um, I know we don't have a whole lot of time because you got another call, but if you're making like there are dudes who are listening right now, and this is resonating, maybe not a hundred percent, but some things are resonating. You're not in control of your own life. If you're in control of some aspects, you're not in control of all the ones you want to be in control of, whether it's your mindset, finances, 
you know, your relationship with your wife and your relationship with your kids, they come to you, Gabe, what advice or what do you do? Like, what's the first step you have men do to kind of get out of where they are and start moving into the right direction? I'll give you four things. Number one is vision. Everything begins with a vision of the future. Everything. You've got to have a picture deep down inside of the world you want to build, the life you want to have, and the man you want to be. For a minute, just sit back. I would encourage, nobody does this, by the way. Nobody thinks, sits back and pictures this and thinks, where am I going? I didn't. Until I hired my first coach to work with me and spend an ungodly amount of money on it, I literally was just taking what I was given like everybody else. But he said, I want you to sit down and I want you to describe in detail, who is the man you want to be in the future? What would you say about him? What would he look like? How would he speak? What relationships would he have? What would he understand? So one, get a vision of the future. The scripture says without vision, people perish. They die inside. There's nothing to live for or build for. And that's why we stay where we're at. Number two, find a father. A father doesn't have to be someone who is older than you. I'm fathered by, I've got a tactical trainer who teaches me about firearms. Guy is incredibly knowledgeable, 25 years old, almost 15 years younger than I am. And this guy is fathering me. He's leading me. We used to call leadership fathering. Find a father who is who has what you want, who lives as you would like to live, and allow him to help shape you into who you need to be. I'm not that for everybody. And the beautiful part about it is there are incredible people that do that. You've got people that you're coaching and fathering, but find a father. Three, find a community or a brotherhood. Your normal that you exist in today is because of what you were raised in. Much of the time, if not the vast majority of it, what you're raised in becomes your normal. That's your circle. We all talk about the five people that you're closest to and how you become the average of them. If you don't have a brotherhood that is holding you to a high standard, you're going to continue to stay where you are because it's comfortable and easy. You need a brotherhood. And then number four, you've got to make an irrevocable commitment. There is something that happens when you make a decision that you cannot get back that forces you to elevate and become who you need to become. This event that I'm putting on next month, you would not believe what is happening to me on the inside and on the out because I chose, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to make big statements. I can't get it back. There's 150 grand in cost out the window. I've spent the money on the caterer. I have no choice. Now stuff like this is happening. That's why we're talking right now. I'm forced to ask for things I've never asked for. I'm forced to do things and be up at hours I've never been at before because I've made a commitment to a vision, to a father, into a brotherhood. Tell me about your event. So our event, I'll tell you right now, the, the number one thing crossing the country for a year and a half that I felt whenever I spoke to individuals, spoke to hundreds of men, their number one response with what they were dealing with in their life is primarily one, I am isolated. I'm alone. I don't know who to trust and I don't know who to do life, who to do life with. Sorry, talking fast. But, and, and I don't know who, who shares my values. Okay. And then number two, I don't know ne the next step to take. I don't have the practical tools. And I couldn't find that brotherhood. So I said, well, I, I guess I have to create it. And it's a great, it, look, this is a great exercise. If you guys cannot find something that you desperately want, that's likely your purpose. And most of the time, it comes from the pain of your past. That's nine times out of 10 where you're going to find your purpose is the pain of your past, a, a solution that you could not find that you want to help someone else find. And so I created an event. This event, it's our inaugural event. It's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, up in the mountains. We're directly adjacent to the Great Smoky National Forest. We can, we'll take hikes. We got log carries. We got wealth warfare courses. We've even got a course on home education, giving you the assets 
and uh, options that you have to remove your children from the public school system and educate them at home. We've got hormone teaching so you can understand not only about yourself, but about your wife, which will translate into guys, lots more sex and a lot greater you know, interaction with your wife. We've got firearm training pistol. We got rifle. We even built a shoot house with doors and walls and hallways. And we've got an open top. So we got drones going over the top. We have Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We've got a, got a course called Practical Violence, where we're actually teaching men how to physically defend their families and themselves. But it, it's like we're trying to cover as many aspects of strong masculine male leadership as we possibly can. But more important than any of that, it's an opportunity for men of shared values and shared faith to gather together with other men to do life with. If you're somebody that has been going for the past few years, I don't, I, I, I don't know where to find guys like me. I hear this all the time. I, where, where do I find them? Where do I find them? How do I get into high-level relationships that will open big doors to new worlds? This is your opportunity. This, this is a gathering of the ungovernable. Gathering of a lot of fun. ungovernable. When is it? September 15 through 17. You can find out all about it at freemenforge.com. Freemanforge.com. Freeman, by the way, is the plural of an old word you should look up. Freeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N, one word. It's a plural of freeman. It was someone to whom all privileges of society were conferred upon them because they had their life in order. And so that's what I really wanted to build. This is about freedom. The slogan is become ungovernable. We want to teach men to become uncoercible because they have their things in order. Their spiritual walk and hearing from God so they can dictate their own direction, their money, their earning and income, their health, their relationships, and their ability to protect and provide on a physical level. So that's what we're doing, man. And we're going to do them all over the country. We've got one in Texas, it looks like in May, but this one in particular is going to be very, very potent. Ian Smith, the uh, he, he calls himself the dumb gym owner from New Jersey who wouldn't shut down his place through the Rona. He's one of our headline speakers. We have, some, we have speakers flying in from out of the country. I'll be sharing. We'll be teaching on spiritual warfare. Just I could go on and on and on, but I think the outcomes are what is important. This is an opportunity for men to drastically change the trajectory of their life in a weekend and get plugged into a community of people that will forever change your future. Oh, I love it. And uh, you're giving some special for our listeners. Yep, your listeners. So the day this podcast drops, whenever it comes out, It'll be Tuesday. Tuesday. So Tuesday, uh, what is that? August 15th? We're recording today is what? Um, the Friday 11th. the 11th. Yeah. yeah so, so I think August it's August 15th. We're going to, I'm, I'm moving things around. You're going to be the uh, next one. Nice. And I'm, by the way, it's way cool to hear your announcement about your own brand. I don't know if I'm the first to hear about it, but what a privilege if so. Um, but That's yeah, we've got multiple. Yeah. Yeah. We got multiple discounts going on. Any of the trainers or speakers that we have, if you go to their page, they all have like a 250 off coupon for their followers. But specifically for your podcast, the day that it drops, people can get $500 off of a standard access ticket. Go to freemanforge.com, find out all about it. But that is a significant drop. It will last for the entire day that this podcast hits. Go get it. Be there with us. Be a part of an incredible memory and you will never, ever be the same. It's freaking awesome, man. So one last question for you. What, let's say every man went through this, this event and took on a life of just, you know, taking charge of every aspect of their life. 
being in your image, like the ideal man that you have kind of the vision for, what does this yeah. world look like? I say picture the 30s, man. Picture the 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know, the, the golden era where people go, your kid could walk down the street. You didn't have to worry going out at night. People weren't ripping you off and suing you for no, for no reason. People aren't fighting about politics. Because when we all get back to that value system of God and relationship, when we get back to that, we're all on the same page. And you cannot argue with the societies that it has produced. You can't. But your imagination is really the limit. And I think that's something that's, that's also really driven this is this is not about building my brand. I've called up so many other men's coaches from other places and gone, guys, I don't care. There's plenty to go around. This doesn't have to be about my company or my name. I want you involved. I want to link arms with you because we have to recognize that right now we are at war. We're at war with the inside. We're at war with the flesh, but we're also at war with something bigger. And unless we start fighting together and stop worrying about our own little skirmishes and battles, if we can get on the same page, the momentum that we can create, whether you agree with it or not, look what just happened to Bud Light. That's the collective power of people who will not compromise their principles for convenience. That's the result. Love it, Gabe. Where can people find you, my man? If you want to find me on socials, I'm on Instagram at Forger of Men. That's where I do a lot of talking. A lot of my socials were deleted in 2020. Outside of that, you can email me and my team at contact at freemanforge.com. My own website will be re-released. I just pulled it off because the focus right now is freemanforge.com. Go there, check it out. But I encourage you to just dialogue with me. Just reach out. I love relationships and I love relational doors and what it opens. It, it lights me on fire and amazing stuff like this happens because of simple interactions. I'm, I'm just grateful, man. By the way, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for being there with what my family has gone through over the past couple of years. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for embracing me as a brother. Like this is way cool. It's, it's amazing to see where things can end up just by saying, do you want to go grab some breakfast? Well, one thing I absolutely love about you is, is how you have a vision, direction, and your, your values, your core values drive you. Whether I agree with them or not, I'm not 100% in agreement with everything you, you believe, Gabe, but I absolutely love how your conviction and your belief. I love that. I love that, that you stand for what you believe. That's the, the, what I don't like is the opposite of that. When I think of who do I want to be is I want to be more of a guy who has strong values, has beliefs. I write out values. I think about my belief system, right? There are non-negotiables in my life. There is absolute truth though. Before I could have told you that eh, I can argue absolute truth. Um, and so whether, you know, if you're listening to this, I know this is not, this was not an easy podcast to listen to. And I know a lot of you guys will probably disagree with a lot of the stuff Gabe said. It's not mainstream. It really isn't. But our job, whether you're a man or a woman, the one takeaway that I want you to really walk away with is, are you in control of your life? Are you truly in control? Is your life, are you the creator? Do you live, do you live your life by design? or by default. And I think all of us can agree that Gabe lives his life by design. He didn't like what his family was going through in Seattle. What I really loved, the, the thing that you threw in there was, I thought about the type of men 
who are being groomed and, and grown here in Seattle. And there, that is not the type of man I want my daughters to date and get married to. Like that's future thinking. Who's thinking of that? How old are your daughters, by the way? How old were they when you moved? 13. Oh, they're 13 and nine now. So they were what? 10 and six. At 10 and six, he's thinking about the environment he wants to be in so that his daughters have options of good men. Like, think, just, just think about the type of person that does that, whether you agree with what he said or didn't. Think about that. And think about how that plays in in your life. Gabe, you're the man. Love it. Thank you for being here, man. Uh, excited to help you promote your event. Unfortunately, I can't be there because I'm at a wedding September 15th in New York. And uh, otherwise, I would have been there. Um, but maybe Texas, I'll be there. We'll do it again soon, man. I, I appreciate you. So much love to you and what you're doing. And uh, let's do it again soon. For sure. All right, guys. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.